Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Discover the source of that title as we read the fourth chapter of the book of James. And read the first ten verses. I'm going to read it twice. First of all, I'm going to read it from the King James, which most of you will have. Then I'm going to immediately read it from the Living Bible. And some of you will have that particular translation. But if you don't have it, I want you to listen to the modern translation of these verses from the Living Bible. James chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust, but war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, and yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, or whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, that he giveth more grace, Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. <clears throat> Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to the morning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now listen to the same words from the Living Bible. What is causing the fightings among you? Isn't it because there is a whole army of evil desire within you? You want what you don't have, and so you kill to get it. You long for what others have and can't afford it, so you start a fight to take it away from them. Yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. Even when you do ask, you don't get it, because your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You are like an unfaithful wife who loves her husband's enemies. Don't you realize that making friends with God's enemies, the evil pleasures of this world, makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if any aim, I beg your pardon, I say it again, if your aim is to enjoy the evil pleasures of the unsaved world, you cannot also be a friend of God. What do you think of the scripture means when it says that the Holy Spirit, whom God hath placed within us, watches over us with tender jealousy. He gives us more and more strength to 
stand against all such evil landings. As the, as the scripture says, God gives strength to the humble, but sets himself against the proud and haughty. So give yourselves humbly to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and let your hearts be filled with God alone to make them pure and true to him. Let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. Let there be sorrow and sincere grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Then when you realize your worthlessness before the Lord, he will lift you up in courage and help you. Let's pass for a moment. Lord, may our hearts be in tune to you today. As we see ourselves in this passage of Scripture, may our minds be single, separated from everything that is a part of our normal everyday lives and concentrate upon you today. May our hearts be filled with the power of your spirit and warmed by all the goodness that comes from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> James, who is the writer of this particular scripture, is the brother of our Lord. He spends a considerable amount of time in the early portions particularly of this book to tell us that he believes that our faith ought to be active, that there ought to be something happen as a consequence of our belief. But in this particular chapter that we've just read, in these first ten verses, he talks about prayer. He talks about it being a privilege, being something that can benefit our lives. If you still have your Bibles open, I'd like you to turn into the, to the fifth chapter of James. And I want you to listen to some words he says late in this chapter. Begin at verse 13 of the fifth chapter. And he begins it this way with a question. He says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. 
He's talking about prayer power. Something that can happen because we exercise this power. And God responds. The neglect of prayer, he is saying, results in spiritual poverty. Why is it that we do not have what we desire? His response is twofold. Number one, you don't ask. Secondly, you ask wrongly. That's all. In that fifth chapter, he says if you're sick, pray. If you're well, sing. You notice that? And he's means singing in the act of praising God for his goodness. He said if there's anybody sick among you, the church ought to pray. And also ought to anoint you with oil. Uh, that was an Old Testament process that was used as a point of separating people to, to God. It had also a lot to do with medical healing, and I'm not going to deal with that this morning. He said, in verse 16, that we ought to confess our sins to each other. Now you would cause that to happen in a Baptist church on a Sunday morning, and you've got, you, you've got a miracle in itself. If I would ask any of you to stand up and confess your sins this morning, we would have a Quaker meeting real quick like. God is in the prayer-hearing, prayer-answering business. We are told throughout the New Testament to continue to pray, to pray without ceasing. And I want to ask you a question this morning. How long has it been since you really, really prayed? I didn't ask how long has it been since you mouthed words of prayer. <laughs> or how long has it been since you stood up in church and prayed because said asked you or the pastor asked you or somebody asked you in Sunday school class to open the session in prayer. I would not ask you to hold up your hand this morning. But I would like for you to answer it. How many of you really prayed before you came to church today? Really prayed? Oh, we have our superficial prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. We've all been taught that in heaven. It's a good one to learn as a beginning as to how to pray. When was the last time we really entered into our closet, into our private place, and there poured out our heart? And as James said, wept. O 
over our sins. Could it possibly be that the distress that we feel today, the worry that is on the minds and hearts of many people in this congregation, the uneasiness about what the future might hold, or our inability to cope with the affairs of life have any relationship to our prayer life? Is it possible that we can't handle things because we haven't prayed? Is it possible that we are afraid of the future because we haven't laid it at the feet of Jesus? Is it possible that we have not been serious about praying? Do you have not because you have asked not? Or do you have not even though you have asked because you have asked amiss? That's the question that faces us, I think, this morning. There was the story of the lady who went to heaven, and when she was shown her mansion, there were whole lots of boxes piled up there, then beautiful wrapping, and she said, what are all those boxes? St. Peter said, those are all the things you could have had while you were on earth had you asked. <laughs> So we're in poverty because we haven't believed in the power of prayer to the point that it means much to us. I want to suggest five things for which we ought to pray this morning. Number one. I am suggesting that there are some, perhaps in this congregation, that ought to pray for salvation. God save them. But some of you ought to invite the Lord Jesus into your life. There is a passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. It says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in, sup with him, he with me. My father was teaching his young boy to memorize passages of scripture, and this particular verse was one that the boy was attempting to memorize. He's just five years old. And he was trying to say this, and as he went to bed at night, he was going over this verse in his mind, and he couldn't remember the words and open the door. 
The next morning he said to his daddy, he said, I made Jesus run into the door last night. His daddy said, what? What do you mean? He said, I forgot to open the door. I think the little boy has a point. Somehow or other we expect the outpouring of God's blessings upon us without opening the door. Jesus does not knock down doors. He wants to come into our lives and be a vital, real, important part. And he's not going to, to insist upon entrance. If you want Jesus Christ in your life as a power in your life, you can have it by opening the door. Until the door is opened, Jesus will never come in. Here's where the hang-up is, and that's the prayer that many people need to pray. Lord, come into my life. The little song that we teach our kids to sing, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. But listen, he can't get there. Let's open the door. Romans 10, 13 makes it very plain. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's time that some people pray for salvation. Secondly, it's time that all of us perhaps pray for forgiveness. The disciples asked the Lord on one occasion to teach them how to pray. And he gave them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. It really isn't the Lord's Prayer, it's a model prayer. When he begins, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. that you all know. But there's one phrase in that prayer. And it's a prayer now. It says, forgive us our sins or our debts. Is the word in one translation, transgressions in another place. But it means forgive us our sins. Somehow or other, We have yielded to Satan's deceit when he has told us now, you don't really need to ask for forgiveness. Just forget it. And God will forget it. Don't you believe it? God does not forget. And on our record in heaven, is the recording of every deed that we have done, and all our sins are there as well, for which we have not sought forgiveness. Sweeping it under the rug 
and pretending that we didn't do it will not meet the requirement that the Lord has placed upon us. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now listen to the beginning of it. If, let's stop there. If we confess, he will forgive. James even made the point that I've already stated that we ought to confess our faults one to the other. I tell you, it's a good soul-cleansing process. When people know about our sins, it is advisable to confess those sins in front of those same people. Do not assume that it's good enough to go into our closet and there confess to God, certainly who will hear our sins, and never tell the people. There are times we need to stand up and say to congregations, say to individuals, I have not only sinned against God, I've sinned against you. And I ask your forgiveness. Then I can ask God's forgiveness. You know there's a piece of legislation right now before our legislature, which I think will pass, and I hope it does, that will grant immunity to any confessions made in the public church or before the pastor. Came out of a conflict over in the eastern panhandle when a man stood up in the, in the worship service and confessed a crime that he had committed and they tried to make the pastor testify against the member of his congregation. There's now legislation that is granting immunity to those who confess to whatever that is privileged information and cannot be used in the courts. Pastor or others of the church will not be required to testify as to what he said. And that certainly is a good piece of legislation. If all of you knew all that I know about all of you, I mean, we could have a headache. It's good that we can have this private conversation between congregation and pastor that goes no further. It's important that you have a private conversation about problems between friend and friend. But it's more important that there is a conversation between us and God when we lay it all out and beg his forgiveness. And when is the last time that you have confessed your sins 
unto God. And we need to do that. Thirdly, I think we need to pray for wisdom. That's what Solomon did, ask God for wisdom. I'm sure that we all, to some degree this morning, are perplexed about what we ought to do, about something. Some of you stand at crossroads in your life and you don't know which road to take. You don't know whether to go to the left or go to the right. Because of your goals and objectives, you're not sure as whether or not they are really going to accomplish what you want out of life. What should I do is the number one question that this congregation asks me as pastor in private conversation. What should I do? Above all other things that are talked about in the privacy of my study or over the telephone or at home or whatever, that's the number one question. What should I do? In a marriage situation, in a business affair, in uh, a schooling and all it can go, what should I do from here on? How do I progress? And sometimes we want to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. You do it. And the Lord says, do it yourself. You think he doesn't say that? Well, let me read you a few passages of Scripture on that subject. Matthew 7, 7. Jesus himself speaking. He says, ask and ye shall receive. He didn't stop there. He says, Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Put your energy into it. And if you want something from God, ask him for the wisdom to help you in your points of decision. James 1, 5 and 6. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now let's stop there, and then I want to finish the verse. <clears throat> verse 6. If you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do in your life's situations, let him ask God that God would give you wisdom in your decision. And he'll give you the wisdom to make the decision. That's what James said. He is going to give it to you liberally, and he's not going to ridicule you. He's not going to put you down. He's not going to criticize. He's going to assist you in your decision by instilling within you his own wisdom. So if you lack wisdom, he says, Lane, ask God who will give it to you. Now, there's a catch. We all stop there too many times. There's, there's another phrase. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Now it's very easy for me to go to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. 
Please give me the wisdom. Please help me in my decision. But I don't know if you will or not. There we get hung up. In putting ourselves in the hands of God and asking God for assistance and direction and wisdom, and then we won't trust Him to tell us the truth. And we try to take it and figure out ourselves without His wisdom, without His assistance, as if we were self sufficient and we've already confessed we don't know what to do. Ask in faith. Don't waver. So that's the third thing I think that we need to be praying about today. Is for the wisdom of God to be in us. That as we face life's problems, that it will really not be us making the decision, it will be God making it. Because he's in us. Fourthly, I think we need to pray for grace. Grace, we understand, is God's unmerited love. We need to pray for God's love. But we don't deserve it. We need to pray for it. We want, we ought to pray that God's love be showered down upon us. Hebrews 4.16 makes it very clear and says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Come to the throne of God to get what? Get mercy and get God's grace. God's love. Recall back, those of you who are older, the days your kids were young, those of you who have little children right now can, can reflect on it very easily. When your little child comes to you and crawls up on your lap and says, Mommy, Daddy, hold me. Hold me. How many times I've done that as a parent. Or a grandchild crawls up on your knee and says, Grandpa, I tell you, there is a time when we all must become little children and crawl upon the lap of our Savior and say, Lord, hold me. I just need your love. That's all I need. Just a hug for me. Just a love. Then when I feel secure, I can get down off his lap and I'm ready to go. Do the things that he called me to do. As I pray that God will hold me in his grace. Lastly, let me say, but I think we need to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 11, verse 13, for a verse says this. If ye being evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children. We all know how to do that. We're sinful, we're evil people. We know how to give good gifts to our children. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them for the asking? You think the Lord God is holding back from us the power of His Spirit? When it's the very thing that He wants to do, He wants to thrust the Holy Spirit into our lives to be vital and important to us. Take my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. That's what we want, isn't it? There's a hymn that we sing, Draw me nearer, nearer, Lord, to thee. I think we need to pray that God will fill us with the Holy Spirit whose job it is to make us like Jesus Christ. And make us like him. We need to pray that God will take charge of our life. Then when we sing that have thine own way, Lord, to have thine own way, and thou art the Father, I am the plain lonely make after thy will. While I'm waiting, waiting you still. We need something. When is the last time you really prayed? Really. Some of you this morning need to pray that God save your soul. Listen, if you're serious about that and pray that prayer, you'll do it. He will wipe away every sin from this moment backward in your life and give you a new heart. It'll be new. And at that point in time, you will be perfectly sinless for that little moment. It's all been wiped away and you've been made whole. For those of us who have been around many years, the number in this congregation of us, we need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. And I would suggest that there might be several of you who during the invitation hymn would find it beneficial to get out of your seat and come down here to the altar and confess your sins before God. Some of you are at those crossroads. You don't know where to turn and what to do. I would suggest to you that you ought to pray for the wisdom of God to help you in your time of indecision. Some of you don't feel very loved this morning. Perhaps you've already had a fight with your husband or wife, your kids, mom and dad, or whoever it might be. You don't feel loved. I would suggest that perhaps 
you want to ask God's grace to come in your life and just surround you. Sit in the lap of the Lord for a little while and say, hug me. Hug me. If your life is not well about to be, you're not complete and full and whole as a Christian. Maybe you ought to yield your life to the molding of the Lord and let him have his complete world with you. Fully and complete. I don't know what your needs are, but I do know that every person in this congregation fits one or more of these things that we've talked about. And it's between you and the Lord to get these things worked out. You ought to do it today. Go out of here complete and full. Go out of here forgiven. Go out of here saved. Go out of here wrapped in the love of God like you've never been wrapped before. And be unashamed of your need and be willing to step out of a pew. Do you know that you're stepping out of a pew to come up here sometimes to spend just your private time and nobody knows what it's all about? gives encouragement and is a witness and testimony to somebody else who is considering something in their life and need that they have. And you give them encouragement. If you're a little hesitant about making a step because you've got a friend or a loved one sitting close to you, they come with you. If you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, you ought to do it this morning. If you need to be saved, you ought to make that known this morning. Just prayed and prayed that we suggested asking God to save yourself. Whatever your need is, if you want to become a member of this church by transferring your membership to somewhere else, we encourage you to do it. But above all else, don't leave this building this morning with unsettled issues in your heart between you and the Lord. Settle them now. The way to do it is Christ. God will answer that prayer if your shoes are back. In faith, nothing will take this step. We do it. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.